Welcome to the Title Town Times, where we bring you all of the news coming out of 1265 Lombardi Avenue. My name is Nicholas Fargo, and with me is my co-host, Robert Martin. What's going on? What is going on, Packer Nation? Week two is upon us. This is a late preview episode, um, but it's a preview episode nonetheless. The game isn't until tomorrow. Uh, first home, well, it's going to be our home opener tomorrow against the Minnesota Vikings, and Robert knows all too well about uh, Minnesota fans where he's living at. Right smack in the middle of Vikings country, unfortunately, North Dakota, but not me, man. It's green and gold. Let's go. Yes, let's get these Vikings. Um, it's going to be a tough game. The last time we played them at Lambeau, it ended in a tie, even though that tie was a great came at the result of a gracious call by the refs of a roughing the passer by Clay Matthews. Or so it was called a roughing the passer. Yeah, that was that was a poor call and it nullified a game-ending interception by our guy Jair Alexander. So yeah, it was a, a bitter pill to swallow for sure. The Stripes took one away from us that day. For sure, definitely. And it's uh, ridiculous for sure. And I think ever since that and the Washington game, uh, they started becoming more lenient with the roughing the passer calls again, which we have to kind of thank Clay Matthews for that. Yeah, Clay Matthews had a rough start to the last year with those uh, uh, roughing the passer penalties, and it was just hard because how, how do you how do you do it? Football's a violent game. It's like uh, it's played at such a speed. So to to make those kind of calls, I mean, the, don't put don't don't put those guys in that position. Otherwise, put flags in the quarterback. Choose one or the other. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I think they were saying like he was putting his whole body weight on the quarterback, but I'm just like, that's what you do when you tackle someone. So I don't understand the logic behind that. Um, but anyways, we're talking about this year. Uh, we saw some good things from the Vikings against Atlanta. And uh, one of those good things is Dalvin Cook. Yeah, the Vikings, you know, one one thing about them is they, they take the preseason approach a little bit differently than the Packers. Those guys did get some reps, and, and you can tell because they surely weren't as rusty as uh, as we were. But you're right, Dalvin Cook is a, a lead runner, as Matt LaFleur has uh, identified in a press conference just recently. And um, the Packers need to, to slow this guy down. That is the key for sure, because honestly, for how much they paid Kirk Cousins, I'm not too worried about him. The only thing I'm worried about in their passing game is the two wide receivers that they have in uh, Diggs and Thielen. Yeah, without a doubt, the, the Vikings really invested in the quarterback uh, with Kirk Cousins, that that fully guaranteed contract. Thank you, uh, Vikings, for changing the entire pay structure for the NFL moving forward, you dumb shits, you. But at the end <laughs> of the day, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is, is the least of our, our worries, honestly. I, I feel like um, we, can, we can do some damage against Kirk Cousins but again, it's going to be stopping the run and forcing them into a one-dimensional passing game. If we can do that, I feel like we, we uh, pull this one out. And another key for last year's uh, series against the Vikings, our safety play was just below average. There was that one touchdown catch, I think it was by Thielen, where it just went through Kentrell Bryce's hands and a corner's hands, and it was just a freak catch by Thielen there. Yeah, it really was. And you know what? As much as I dislike the Vikings, though, I do have to tip my hat to Adam Thielen. The guy, for some reason or other, runs uh, routes that are, are second to none. He gets open. He's sure-handed. I mean, he is a force. Um, he truly is. But you're right. Our backside with the secondary, uh, and especially the safety play, uh, seems to be, at least through one week, much better than what we've seen in the past. And hopefully enough to um, slow that guy down. It'll be interesting for sure. And another is... 
Um, this is one of my keys to the game. We have to create the best matchups in the secondary. And what I mean by that is not putting old man Tremont Williams on their fastest receiver, Stefan Diggs. That's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it really is. And um, I, I think part of that from last year was obviously we had some injury uh, issues in the secondary. Uh, this year we're coming into this game uh, somewhat healthy. Uh, I know there's some dings and different things, but as far as the injury report goes, we should be okay. Um, and, and if you think about Jair matched up with Thielen like he was last year and uh, Kevin King, the long uh, Kevin King on, say, Stephon Diggs, we're probably in a much uh, different and better situation. Definitely. And then also to add to that injury report, it, it looks like Bakhtiari's going to play tomorrow. Yeah, we all held our breath. <laughs> Excuse me. Every time you see uh, probably the most elite left tackle in the game have a back injury and he sits out on a, on a Thursday practice, I believe it was. Um, that, that is a scary thing. We all held our breath a little bit, but maybe a little more precautionary. I really like LaFleur's approach to injuries. I mean, he's going to play it close to the vest like many NFL courses, coaches do. And some of these guys who are veterans, um, they, they can have this rest and, and still be okay. I agree completely. Um, another thing that the Packers need to do, this is another key to this game, exploit that Vikings offensive line. The offensive line in Minnesota is still not good despite Dalvin Cook's numbers versus the Falcons on Sunday. I think that that was just more Dalvin Cook's ability more than the offensive line creating opportunities for him. Stop the run game and force the ball into Kirk Cousins' hands. Get pressure on Cousins like you did on Trubisky and force him to make mistakes like you did with Trubisky. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And, and, uh, what was that? Issue. And, and we don't know how serious that is, but if that is an issue where they have to uh, move some, have some moving parts, that offensive line that's suspect already gets even more suspect. And as we know, our defensive line has really been picked up this uh, year with some additions to our uh, our pass rush. I mean, we have both Smiths that are uh, getting the quarterback at will, and we're just um, we're seeing a pass rush that is leaps and bounds ahead of where it was last year. Definitely, for sure. Um, another thing that we have to do, and this is the key to getting this offense rolling, we need to get the run game going. Whether it was Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams toting the rock, the Packers struggled running the football against Chicago last Thursday night. Now, while not as good as the Bears' front seven, the Vikings is still damn good. So it may be easier said than done, but the run game must be more effective. An effective run game allows Matt LaFleur to call more play-action passes that will allow Aaron Rodgers to have more plays like that 43-yard bomb to MVS versus the Bears. Yeah, without question. And I also feel that being at home is going to be so helpful because when you're on the road and you're on offense, the crowd is into it and it's loud. It makes the offensive line even have to hesitate just that little bit to watch the ball uh, snap. And it just gets everybody's get-off time is just a little bit slower on the offensive side. Now, in Lambeau Field, uh, the offense should have that luxury of a, of a very intelligent crowd, a football-savvy crowd, if you will. I feel like our line will get off the ball quicker than they do on the road, and it should help our run game. I also feel that um, we're built we're, – we're actually built for this surface. Um, Chicago's field is – is not of, of the best quality and I always feel like the it's footing not. Is kind of, it's kind of a footing issue as well Lambeau Field mm-hmm. is top of the line um, they got that kind of hybrid um, uh, turf almost grass uh, field is in, in prime condition so I, I, I think we're going to get off quicker we're going to have better footing there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to run the football better 
I agree completely. And also, Packers fans that are going to be attending this game, listen to Aaron Rodgers. Don't do the wave when we're on offense. Yeah, don't, do, don't do the don't do the wave. The wave the wave is kind of like this old school thing, and, and I know that it brings some nostalgia, or whatever. But yeah, don't do it on offense. Don't don't create any more issues for this offense. This offense needs to get on track. Exactly. Like when I saw, I forgot what year it was. We were doing the wave while we were on offense. I was just astounded. I was wondering, like, what what are we doing? Exactly. Exactly. I have a couple other uh, keys of uh, the game, and and you mentioned one of my three was run the football. But I really, in in doing so, we have to have favorable down and distance. Against the Bears, um, we were third and long throughout the entire game, and it felt like on third down, they could pin their ears back and come after the quarterback, in which they they made the majority of their sacks. So if we can get into favorable down and distances, and I mean by that third and four or less, um, we're going to be able to do uh, a whole lot of different things against the Vikings, and and they're they're very good when they know what's coming. But if we can give a, a run pass differential uh, balance on first and second down and keep them on their heels a little bit, this Vikings uh, defense, although good, can you can move the ball in them and score. Very true, and they are going to be without Mackenzie Alexander and Mike Hughes, so their secondary depth is going to be something that the Packers can exploit as well. And that's a huge thing for us because, honestly, our wide receiver crew, although they haven't shown shown it quite yet uh, through this one uh, game that was kind of slow on offense, but we do have some depth at receiver. We've got some really talented receivers, actually. And, and in my mind, if we can get into a depth situation with a couple of the secondary out uh, for Minnesota, we win those battles. I'm looking at Geronimo Allison. I mean, he was absent. He was MIA uh, last week. I don't sure. think he even took a target. Um, I also look at Jay Kumro, who barely played any snaps, if any. I mean, th- those guys we haven't even touched yet. I haven't even talked about Devontae or MBS. So, um, definitely, definitely a, a favorable thing there. And then my last, my last key to uh, victory is we need to start fast. Uh, this is not a team you want to get behind on um, because they have a stout defense and they can run the football. That, that's a recipe uh, to play ahead. It's surely not a recipe when you're down though. So if we can get ahead and start and force uh, Kirk Cousins to throw the ball, uh, I think if he throws the ball 30 to 35 times uh, or more, we win the game. I think so too. Uh, there are a lot of uh, mismatches that I believe that we can create. Um, I know that Vikings fans were excited to sign Kyle Rudolph to an extension, but the thing is, that guy's old, and I don't see him being explosive and being much of a weapon right now. No, I don't either, and at the end of the day, I really feel that with Raven Green uh, coming up into that linebacker spot and matching up against the tight ends, he's going to be able to uh, cover Kyle Rudolph like a blanket. For sure. Um, Speaking of Raven Green, he plays the safety position. There's a certain, um, after Miami's disastrous performance against the Baltimore Ravens, multiple Miami Dolphins were contacting their agents requesting trades from the team. One of those, a notable member of the Miami Dolphins that is requesting said trade, is defensive back Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, it's been said that the Packers are interested in acquiring Minka Fitzpatrick, but it's also been reported that the Dolphins want, I believe they said a at least second round pick. I could be wrong, but um, what do you think about that? Well, I've heard a couple different reports. I'm not sure which one to believe. I've heard uh, a first round pick that they think that maybe they would settle on a second. I've also heard, like you said, a second that they may settle on with, with a third and a player. 
But as far as what I think about it, Minka Fitzpatrick is a versatile, versatile secondary player. He, he was great at Alabama, and Gutekunst really liked him uh, coming into the draft, and I, I believe that they were actually looking at avenues in which they could possibly draft this guy. He was high on their board, um, very, very intelligent player, very ball uh, savvy as well. So, I mean, if we could pull a trigger, one one trade that I would look for, and I wouldn't be shocked if it happened, is if they traded a third-round pick and Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson still has some trade equity because of what he did in college, even though one year removed from Iowa. Uh, I just wonder his system fit uh, currently with, with the Packers. As much as I do like Josh Jackson, I, and I still do, I see more of a zone uh, stare at the quarterback type of player facing the quarterback um, man to man he's just not that he's not what he what he would be in a zone defense and that's kind of what the Dolphins run they run a zone uh, defense most of the time so I think he would be more of a scheme fit so I think that that's an interesting trade projection for sure um, I don't if I'm the Dolphins I would want to get as much talent as I would as I can get and someone like Josh Jackson although he hasn't been able to reach his full potential here in Green Bay he can do great things in Miami I think yeah and as far as the the salary trade-off you're, you're getting two players that would be swapping on their rookie deal so that's kind of a wash as those players are now slotted as compared to the past so um, getting those two players on their rookie deals to switch teams like that plus the Dolphins uh, obtaining a third round pick I'm not so sure that they wouldn't jump on that trade I agree completely. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, he is somewhat, he is a chess piece that you can move around all of Micah Hyde pretty much. And I think that we have been missing our defense, even though it looked good against Chicago. I think ever since Micah Hyde was allowed to walk in free agency, our defense really took a step back. And I think adding someone like Micah Fitzpatrick can help fill that void in a sense. Oh, absolutely. And if you think about uh, the health of the secondary, if, if these guys, it's a big if, could stay healthy. You have Jair Alexander. you got Kevin King on the outside. Obviously, our safeties have been upgraded with Amos and Savage. Could you imagine for a moment having Micah Fitzpatrick on the slot as a quarterback and then having Tremont Williams coming off the bench for depth? I haven't even mentioned Tony Brown which he's another one that's an up-and-comer, and he may be taking some time anyway simply because his play has been at such a high level. So, I mean, we would probably be as deep and as talented as, as a secondary as we've had in Green Bay in a long time. Exactly, and I think that uh, Aaron Nagler said it best. He made like a little four-second video with the title saying, should the Packers trade for Minka Fitzpatrick? And he just said, yup. Absolutely, so, yes. Uh, you got to love Nagler getting straight to the point. That's what I like about him. Yeah, that's his style, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, and my only question is, how long would it take for him to become acclimated into the system? Like, what week would we see him in real big-time action? Yeah, that's that's the question. And I, and I don't know necessarily know if anybody really has the answer to that and is it one of those things where you put in a few packages for him and you try to get him that 15 to 20 snaps, you know, to start with, and then you, you increase his workload as, as the season goes on. I mean, surely uh, it's copycat league. So surely he can come in and play some, you know, his conditioning is there and those things. It's not like he's some sort of holdout and hasn't been around football. So that's not the case. You've got that going for you, but you're right. I mean, how, how soon can he get up to snuff in the scheme and, and Mike Pettin's scheme, obviously, it's, I don't believe it's like the easiest thing to just jump in and play. He does multiple looks with multiple different uh, people, moving parts. Um, so it can be fairly complex. For sure. 
Um, so next, finally, we're going to get into our predictions here. Um, what are some predictions and hot takes that you will have for this game? One hot take I have for this game is we're going to see our offense um, come fast. Uh, there's a little pressure there, obviously, whenever you have one unit that can absolutely look themselves in the face, in the mirror and say, we didn't hold up our end of the deal. There's a little uh, added motivation. You throw in the fact that it's a home game, also helping the offense. Um, I really look for Aaron Rodgers and company to put some points on the board. I don't think we scored less than 23 in this in this football game. You know, I can see that happening for sure. Uh, one hot take that I will have, I think our defense is going to stop Dalvin Cook. I know in the past we've had solid run defenses, but now I think that we've taken that next step to where our run defense can stifle anybody. And maybe that's why Chicago went away from running the ball. You're I right. don't know, but... No, you're, you're right. That's, that's definitely why. And, and one of the reasons I, I think that's fairly obvious when you watch the film... Preston uh, Smith and Zadarius Smith are both absolute studs when it comes to setting the edge. You're not going to find many people in the entire NFL that set the edge the way they can. Uh, in addition, Rashawn Gary has been known to be able to do this at Michigan. And from what I'm hearing, even when he's getting his work in uh, camp, is also just been, he's been outstanding at setting the edge. You don't have a flowing linebacker right now that's, that's racking up the tackles like Blake Martinez. So here's the thing. If they set the edge, allowing uh, Dalvin Cook or not allowing Dalvin Cook that outside zone one cut and up the field for eight yards like he got against the Falcons whenever he wanted, they're going to stop Dalvin Cook. If they can make him make a cut in between the tackle boxes and you have Blake Martinez blowing, it's going to be it's going to be a great day for, uh, for for us. I agree completely, and I think that our front seven at this point is better than Atlanta's based on what I saw, and. I just think that we're going to have a more successful time stopping Dalvin Cook and forcing the ball into Kirk Cousins' hands. And we're going to prevent those stupid touchdown celebrations that they come up with week to week. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah, you know what? It it is one of those things. And when I think about the Vikings, most of the time I think about them at home games, that stupid school uh, clap, whatever you call it, that they stole from That they stole from an ass. Yeah, it's, it's they not stole even, from an Icelandic soccer team. It's not it's not an original because they're not they're they're not capable of that. They blow that stupid ass horn, annoying as hell. You know what? This team gets under my skin like nobody's business because they're the best team every single year from about the draft until about week one. Then the season has to start, and then they have to suck on their thumbs for a while. And I hope any Viking fan who's listening knows that's the case because it truly is. For sure. Um, have fun spending $84 million on Kirk Cousins. I'm sure those contracts that you won't be able to get re-signed will make it all worth it. You know, I think Kirk Cousins, to be honest, I, I believe he's on his way out after this next uh, season anyway. Three years, $84 million or $86 million or whatever it was, obviously not, not worth it. Mike Zimmer, um, you, you don't have a, an $84, $86 million quarterback throw the ball 11 times. That if, if anything shows a lack of commitment and a lack of trust in your quarterback, throw him 11 times in an NFL game. It took me back to, like, the 1950s. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, that's a trait that I didn't really think about. But I wondered if that was because more, like, Dalvin Cook was just so successful running the ball and that they were ahead for so long that they were trying to run down the clock. But... 
I would still have my quarterback pass it more than 11 times. Absolutely, in a passing league. I mean, I get, you know what, at the end of the day, the Falcons needed to step up and stop what what the Vikings were trying to do, and that was pound the football, and they couldn't do it. So I guess I shouldn't really be so critical of the Vikings because what they were doing was working. And you know what, to, to tip my hat to them a little bit and be a little bit uh, gracious, I suppose, is they did play a good football game. And um, if they play that well again, it's going to be a tight game. And it's, it's a coin flip anytime these two teams take the field, no matter if it's in Minnesota or Green Bay. Um, I, just, I just like the way these cards have kind of stacked up for us. And I, I just feel like we're in a good place. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I agree. So let's get to our score predictions. Robert, what do you have? Let's start with you. Okay, I've got 23-20. to 20. I've got the Packers winning on a Mason Crosby field goal. It's going to be a deep one. I'm going to call it a 47-48-yard field goal. Uh, Aaron Rodgers gets matriculates the ball just down the field enough to uh, put that ball through the uprights with Crosby. We win the game. All right. I'm going to go... Hmm... I'm going to go 24 to 21. So it's vaguely similar to yours. It's just a point difference. Um, I think Rodgers is going to have two touchdowns, and then we're going to get the run game going with Aaron Jones. And then we're going to have a field goal by Mason Crosby. Absolutely. I can see that too. All right. Well, it's a big day tomorrow. Packers open up Lambeau Field for 2019, and I can't wait to watch. I can't either. Go Pack Go. You know what? If we're 2-0, two, two games against the division uh, to start the season, man, did we, would we set the table. For sure. And if we lose, it's 1-1 one and, one and we'll get them in Minnesota, hopefully. We haven't won at that new stupid stadium yet. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know what? I, I really do want to win there because that, that damn skull chant and all that other stuff is so annoying. That horn is just like a root canal. For sure. It's, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. It truly is. It truly is. And <laughs> and I'm sure that they think the same about the foghorn that the Packers have installed at the uh, at Lambeau, as you know, we heard in preseason. Yeah, and I, you know one thing that I heard the Packers did that was uh, fairly new was they they did some videos apparently for third downs with individual players that are, that's supposed to motivate the crowd and get them going. So I'm really curious about that. I don't know if we'll get that experience obviously watching on TV, but correct. I, but I mean, it sounds really cool. Yeah, it sounds like they're really trying to modernize the experience at Lambeau Field, and I like that for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, anyways, the game is at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time, everybody. Packers versus Vikings. Border battle. Let's get it. Go Pack Go. Go Pack.